Listen, I'm just going to put it out there. When you are facing the Reds and the Tigers, two of the going into these series as the teams on pace to pick first and third in the MLB draft, you can't win one out of four games. You just can't. Uh, it was a weird series. We're going to discuss what happened with the Tigers, the makeup to game, roster moves, all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, oh, man, do not have this as close as I would like it to have. I uh, want to make sure that we are getting good volume and sound. I want to thank everyone for watching and or listening to Lockdown Guardians, uh, brought to you free and available every day, wherever you get podcasts. I want to thank you for making it your first listen. I'll advise you to go check out our friend Jeff Carr, who we did the crossover with on Friday as another Lockdown podcast to listen to. Uh, I also want to introduce myself. If you don't know me, I've been the host of Lockdown Guardian since its inception. All 700 episodes right here. Uh, I've had some great po- po- hosts. No, co-hosts like Pat. See, I was skin racing Pat's name instead I made it po-host. Uh, like Pat Ellington and uh, K- Caleb. I'm blanking on his last name right now. Uh, sorry, Caleb. But, uh, you know, who brought a lot of great insights and knowledge to this very show. Uh, but right now it is me. Before this, I was a lead prospect and draft analyst for Scout and 24-7. And before that, I appeared on pretty much every single Cleveland sports blog you could imagine. Uh, we're going to talk about the series. We're going to talk about some, you know, roster or things going on. Can we just first get into the fact that, like, again, they face some really teams struggling, very much struggling, and they won the one game that I was most convinced they would lose. The one game, I was like, okay, this is setting up for uh, them. Because, uh, and if you look at that one game they won, the 6-1 to one affair, I mean, Patrick Skubal was still excellent. Five innings, four hits, five strikeouts, no walks. Like, there's a reason why I think he might have the highest war amongst starting pitchers in the American League. If not, he's definitely top five. He has been amazing. So, of course, that is the game they managed to win. The one game they probably should lose is the one they win, and they lose the three they should have won. It's a little bit of a frustrating, uh, <laughs> frustrating week because, you know, we, this team is just so streaky and that's the way it's going to be with a contact heavy team. If you've listened to me on this podcast for years, you know that I've, you know, I've talked about the fact that when you are contact based the thing with contact and, um, <coughs> excuse me, no, see back in the day I could pause it, cut that and then come back in but I, I can't do that with the video format so now you get random coughs you get a little bit more truth behind the scenes but you know when players are contact heavy they you know there's going to be bad luck stretches there's just no other way around it and unfortunately we've seen a lot of that we've seen a lot of dropping of OPSs. we've seen a lot of players struggle over this past week if we are being honest with ourselves and i i don't know what the honest answer is. I think it's interesting that, like, you know, they moved Quan down to eighth in the lineup and then gave him an off day. Or, I'm sorry, he had an off day and then he batted eighth the next day. They're still not really set or sold on this outfield, I think, in its current form. And that's the thing. Like, you know, even when Quan was excelling, 
I still stand. I think he'll be like a 110 runs created plus. And with his defense, a three to four win player every year. Uh, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I just can't get past the hype where like when fan graphs gave him an 80 future hit tool. Let's yes, let's say he has a Hall of Fame hit tool. I'm like, that's you're saying that's Tony Gwynn. That's that's just crazy talk. And that's kind of I think going to be part of the problem right now with Stephen Kwan is the hype. And I'm as responsible as anyone else. I was loving the. You know, as someone who does a daily podcast, he was fun to talk about. He was setting records. He was setting the league, taking the league by storm. He had the greatest debut a hitter has ever had. But it set up some really unrealistic expectations. And that's where I'm concerned going forward. But let's let's talk about these games. I mean, should we just, let's, I guess we do it normally. You know, it, let's just do how we normally do. Let's talk about the Friday affair. Let's look at this one. Who reached base twice in this game? Well, the upside was a lot of people. And again, it was all against the bullpen. That's, you know, the Barnes and Foley, uh, the Guardians beat them up. Straw reached base three times. Rosario reached base three times. Jose Ramirez reached, or reached, Rosario and Ramirez reached twice. And then I believe that's it because they didn't have a walk in the game. That is one of those interesting things. They ended up with t- six runs on 10 hits, no walks. That's an unusually high amount. Uh, they you know, they really were able to put things together. Now, of those 10 hits, you had, what, five of them being extra base hits? That that helps. That's one of those reasons. But for 10 runs, you're typically looking at closer to three or 10 hits with no other additional ways of reaching base. That's, that's closer to three runs. Um, they had six. On the other side of things, three hits for Detroit, one walk, and the error, that's five opportunities. That's, you know, one is all right. If your things are going well, you're hoping to be closer to three. Just one extra base hit by them in this one. Uh, Savale with his best start of the year. I know I've been Mr. Like <laughs> pounding the table. He has been awful, and he has been. But six and a third innings until he strained his butt. Let's be honest, that's what he did. He strained his butt muscle. We, we can call it his gluteus, but the truth of the matter is he strained his butt. Uh, so he should be back fine. Hopefully that's not something that will take him too long. But he's got six and a third innings, three hits, one run, one walk, three strikeouts. And I believe the um, was what in the middle. He didn't even finish pitching to uh, to Spencer Torkelson uh, when he had to leave uh, this game. So he you know he has a fantastic outing, fantastic outing, one run unearned. Though it's always weird because it's like I believe the one unearned run is because of his own fielding error. Like there's a part of me that's always thought, well, if you cause the error, it should still be charged to you. Uh, De Los Santos and Yell came in one and two thirds innings, two strikeouts. Class A one inning, two strikeouts. Strong performances all around. Savali gets one of our three stars. That that is a no doubt about it. Uh, Jose Ramirez gets another two hits, a home run, and a triple. That's a great play. And then for me, I give it to Straw with the three hits. One of those being a double. Uh, in this one those are the three stars of this first game in the series let's take our first break here we'll come back talk about game two we'll talk a little bit about Shane Bieber in game two and we'll talk about the return of Josh Naylor as well and how they did the roster gymnastics to get him on the roster all after this break and that first sponsor is my favorite sponsor that is builtbar.com by now if you've listened to the show at all you know I love Built Bar I have gotten listeners hooked on Built Bar Everyone who tries Built Bar loves it. I have not had anyone come back to me and be like, I hate it. Right now, they have a special little deal, too. I talked about how much I love the Puffs. You can get a Puffs mix box with churro, which I love, banana, which is solid, and coconut marshmallow, which I also love, for $3 off. Plus, normally with those deals, you can then use the promo code LOCKED15, 
and get an additional 15% off. You can save up doubly on a deal like this. Go to BuiltBar.com today. The uh, brownie batter puff is currently back. The, the birthday cake puff. There is always a fun new flavor dropping all the time. And I'm going to tell you again, granola is my favorite. You want to go check that out when you get a chance. You can also check out the broths and the Built Boost. I've done both of those. The Built Boost, I've, I've talked about many times. The original, If you tried the original formula, not so great. The, the new formula that they started after the first year is fantastic. You should go check those out. Uh, and the broth was solid. It was just a nice, solid, like if you sat there and got, you know, chicken cubes and, and made soup. I'm sure we've all done that at some point in time, especially when you're feeling under the weather. The broth was perfect. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Check it out for yourself. Remember, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. Uh, I just love it. It's an A in my health food app and an A in my heart. So let's talk about Saturday's game. Rescheduled to June 14th, and that's really all there is to say. That is their sixth rescheduled game or postponement. They've had 17 games, six of them weather-related postponements. I mean, like this has been the situation where it's like, my goodness, um, like this, they need a dome. Like if any team needs a dome at Cleveland, this is the one. It, it's a bit ridiculous. Now, this, uh, you know, we already talked about the Friday game and what went on. Uh, it, so the roster gymnastics, let's start there. Josh Naylor activated from the COVID list. That means someone has to be let go. Who they let go? Luis Oviedo. Now, this makes sense. Why does it make perfect sense? Well, to claim him after the Pirates let him go, roughly half the league passed on him. So you're just playing a game of gamble. Like, is the second half of the league going to claim him, or is he going to pass through waivers? And he passed through waivers, so now he is off the 40-man uh, they don't have to worry till next offseason if a team would like to gamble on him if he does anything to look really good during the season. But, yeah, they were able to pass him through waivers. They're still currently at max. Uh, they're going to have to go figure some things out when guys get healthy. You know, Morris and uh, Hank, no, uh, Vargas. But outside of that, um, you know, we're just kind of holding at a, a strict 40 at this point in time uh, without too much information on those two other players Today's game, uh, as someone who has been an Alex Fajardo stand since, like, he, so Alex Fajardo was considered a potential top overall pick after a sophomore season in Florida. He had a down year during his junior year, but his slider was one of the best I've seen sounding the college game. He fell to the teens, I want to say, when the Tigers got him, and I loved that pick. I wrote it up very, very high. I mean, I still kept him in my top 10 players in that draft class. And he struggled with health. He struggled with injury. Well, health and injuries are kind of the same thing. But you understand, he's he's had his struggles. It's another good start for the young kid. So I like seeing that. Andrew Chafin, the Ohio kid, comes in, pitches well. Uh, it was a good day for them. Bieber had one of his better starts of the year. Uh, two walks, six hits, three runs, only two earns, and he, two earned. He struck out 10. I also feel like some of the advantage of this is he faced a Tigers team that is not playing well. That's just the truth of it. His velocity was still in the low 90s. It's still down. His velocity has not rebounded uh, so far. He's a little bit better, but still in like nine, you know, what, almost two and a half miles an hour lower than where he was during the strike season or the uh, COVID season. This is the strike season. So it's, it's just, I don't know what to make of it. I still don't know exactly what's going on here. I know everyone's quick to jump on the sticky substances, but I, like you knew who used sticky substances. I never really heard Bieber connected to it. Maybe I just didn't hear. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was one of those things, but I knew when guys made sudden jumps in the mind, and a lot of guys do. 
in this minor league system. But like, there's kind of the difference between the guys who make a jump when they first get here or in the first few months in Cleveland or in that first few years, as opposed to someone like Karen Chalk, where it's like year two when he makes the jump. You know, he's had two full minor league seasons before that happens in the third season. It wasn't Bieber. I mean, Bieber moved through the minors so quickly. Uh, they did a few things, and he was just going. So I, I still don't know. Um, I'm, I don't feel comfortable right now with what he is because I, I don't know. I still feel like there's some injury risk. I, I don't know what is going on with Shane Bieber. It's still the great unknown. So who reached base twice in this one? Well, Jose Ramirez had two walks. Josh Naylor had uh, a walk, a hit batter, and a, a home run. Everyone else freak out like me. <laughs> So if you missed it, like he gets hit on the elbow and he runs down the line screaming. I'm like, oh, God, did he just shatter his elbow? I'm like, this is just perfect. They just because it was a 99 mile an hour fast fastball from Gregory Soto right into the elbow. And I'm like, oh, God, he just shattered that elbow. He just broke his elbow. He is running and holding it and screaming. He ends up being fine. He stays in the game. Uh, it just must have got him like on the funny bone instead. But the initial reaction, who else out there like me freaked out? Until you're like, okay, I think, okay, oh, deep breath, deep breath. We can't afford to lose Josh Naylor right now. He's he's another, what, home run number six today. Uh, what, you know, what an early season for him. Uh, I thought this game was going to get tied up as well. When Fran Mel Reyes, is, is Fran Mel Reyes, like, leading the league in home runs that are one foot short? Like, I feel like if we had a category, like, home runs that were, Less than five feet for uh, hits, outs that are five. Man, I can't speak today. Outs that are five feet away from being a home run, like Framo Reyes would be there. Like he got a hold of one in, was it the eighth? Or was it, might have been in the ninth after Naylor got, I think it was after Naylor got plunked. Uh, he ends up going 0 for 4 today, but it's like you go back to that Wednesday game. Was it Wednesday? Thursday game against the Reds. I thought he got a hold of one there. Like they are just, just shot. It's like Framo just need a few more. Wheaties, go you know do a few more lifts you're so close um I, i'm curious to see if his eggs have, like, let's let's pause it and let's see if his exit velocity is down this year because it feels like it he feels like things are just just barely shy of getting out and the answer is no his average exit velocity is 99th percentile his max is 89 which is a little bit lower his hard hit is 95 uh those are you know good numbers he's actually at a little bit better than his 2021 pace in both those areas so that's not that's obviously not the answer. That's not the the thing of what's going wrong here. I don't know if it's weather related. I'm not sure what it is. But he has so many that are just just I wish can I, I if I could change the spray chart over here to say like outs, I'd be very curious to look at because it it's so many that are just barely outside the zone. He's just barely missing at a lot of pitches right now. And if I go look at like his twenty twenty one data, it's like I'm just trying to see what's it's like the expected batting average and he's he's just not barreling quite as well i mean it's you look at the data and it's essentially that he's just not making contact as well as he did before and that you know drove everything higher Uh, and he walked a little bit more a year ago walk percentage Uh, he always struck out a ton you just had to deal with that but he actually has a pretty low chase rate so yeah i there's no easy fix for franville just like there's no easy fix Shane Bieber, it'd be nice if we could just point at one thing with each of those guys and be like, oh, that's the case. That's unfortunately not how this has gone. But, I mean, Fran Mill very nearly tied it up. Uh, and then the ball just died like a duck at the warning track. 
we already talked about who reached base twice. Uh, you know, it, uh, Shaw came in and gave up another home run. His ERA is approaching six. Uh, I mean, he's not good. He's he's just not like it's. We knew he wouldn't be, and we knew it was smoke and mirrors early on, and that just it stayed that way. Uh, Sam Henches, I don't know why they've not been using him of late, other than like you've had, you know, only some of the coaching staff here. Henches had a great uh, eighth, ninth inning. Unfortunately, the Guardians had some opportunities to come back in this one. They did not. They drop it four to two. I mean, if your starter goes seven innings, strikes out ten, and gives up two earned runs, he gets one of the stars. Like, that should be it. Naylor gets the other one. Uh, and then, I know Owen Miller had an opportunity, but he's also the only person who had a multi-hit game, so let's give him the third star in this one. But, yeah, it was not a fun-to-watch weekend. Not fun to watch baseball of late for the Cleveland Guardians, just because it's been so inconsistent. You know, Quan's now hitting 267. We talked about like his struggles. Franmil leading the league in almost home runs is batting 198. Hedges is at 170. And batting average is far from the end all be all. But at the same time, it's like, why is Andres Jimenez hitting seventh? Like, my goodness. Like, talk about bad roster construction. You got, I know Ahmed Rosario had two hits the day before. But you know what? For whatever reason, Jimenez gave him the off day. That's why he didn't play. Stop batting Rosario too. For the love of God, he has been one of your three worst hitters this year. Stop putting him in the two hole. Just stop. Stop trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. Maybe put your best hitters higher in the lineup. It's the most important spot in the lineup. And I know Jimenez went 0 for 3 today with a strikeout. It's, it, he, what? I think he got. Yeah, he got beaned. That was his one time reaching base. And Rosario had a hit and he scored a run. But like. You're a better team if he is batting two and Rosario is further down. Flip those two guys, please. Please flip those two guys, especially like, you know, if you want to flip them back and forth, you know, lefty-righty matchups, that's fine. But this wasn't that. This was just questionable coaching call. Um, then again, yeah, uh, technically result-wise, Rosario had the better day, but you want your better hitters closer to the top. You want them getting more at-bats. What is my ideal lineup right now if everyone's here and healthy? That is a very good question I'm asking myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm very, very tempted to say you know, Rosario or Jimenez has d- decent foot speed. Have him at two, or I'm sorry, have him leading off. And then, I mean, Jose, too. I mean, the statistics say you want your number, your best hitter there. Three, Naylor, four, Miller, five, um, I mean, I'd probably still stick with Fran Mill just because there's not much else to go there right now. Uh, probably him at five, six, I would do Quan, seven, Rosario, eight, Hedges, nine, Straw. Straw has his good game, so he's still at a 665 OPS. He's got no power and his on-base skills, like, he's going to be a step below average. Like, at his best, he is probably about a 90 runs created plus. So, again, it's not to, like, crud on him. He is what he is, and he's good at what he does. He's a plus-plus defender who is almost a league average bat. Um, One can make a case for having him one. I can totally get that. And then you put Jimenez two, Jose three, Naylor four, Miller five, Fran Mill six, seven, seven, Quan, eight, Rosario, nine hedges or if you want to do the speed swap thing like hedges eight nine rosario or heck if you want to you know that that bottom order doesn't matter right now because Quan isn't playing well 
So you can do those three in any order you want. But it, this team is still very flawed, and that's the thing. Like they're seventeen and twenty after that loss. Uh, they're third in the Central. They've had great stretches. They've had miserable stretches. This is a in between year. This is a hundred percent an in between year for them. They, you know, they're gonna see what how the young guys develop. They're gonna continue to move things forward. I still think like Rosario is if he has any trade bait, he becomes uh, prime trade bait. If he plays like this all year, he might not. You know, they might designate him for assignment. They may decide not to pay him what he would uh, require in arbitration with another raise. I mean, there's the uh, uh, you know we assume there he will play a little bit better and there will be some trade value for him, but. Yeah, I mean, they got to see what's going on. You know, uh, George Valera had a two-home run game last week. He's starting to play better after his early struggles. Nolan Jones, we still don't know when he's going to be healthy. It's it's a bit of a disaster. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's a disaster. That's really unfair. It's, it is a, it's a gap year. I mean, this is what it is. It is a gap year. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. They could maybe contend for it, but they're probably not going to get there. Uh, they are going to see the young players that can develop. I mean, if you go and look at fan graphs, like, you know, I go to roster resource, look at their top prospects. There is one who's in a ball. Everyone else is double A, triple A or the majors. This is a team where the talent waves are starting to hit this year. So this is the gap. Yeah, this is them seeing what they have and trying to figure out where they are from there. Let's take a quick break here. Come back and talk about what could be a tough upcoming. Well, that could be what will be a tough upcoming series against the Houston Astros. Uh, I do want to apologize if you have Screaming Baby in the background. Uh, He is two floors up, but he is teething. So, uh, you know, life (laughs) as it were. I want to thank everyone for making Lockdown Guardians their first listen, free and available today, wherever it is that you get podcasts. And remind everyone to go check out the Lockdown Now podcast. Uh, You can hear me on there most days talking about uh, the Cleveland Guardians. You know, that's why we do those quick now videos. You can go and hear my discussion about uh, all things daily the cleveland guardians so houston houston is a good team currently leading their division by a game and a half 27 and 15 Uh, they're one of the top five teams when it comes to pitcher development and it shows when you look at who cleveland will face with uh luis garcia fran Valdez, christian javier that's you know it's solid (laughs) it's a good rotation uh obviously this is where uh, Miles Straw came from. It's where we have benefited. And it is, you know, they just do a nice job in general with development. Like, I remember watching Jeremy Pena when he was in Maine. Now, obviously, via video, I didn't go to Maine to watch him play. But I remember watching him play and thinking, okay, well, there's obviously tools here, but he's never going to make enough contact. This just isn't going to happen for him. And he's playing, you know, he's right now your favorite for rookie of the year. For all of our joking about Stephen Kwan, like it's not even close. Now Pena is got a bat pip, but with his speed, like it's high, but it's not like that high for his speed. So we'll have to see. It's like yes, and son of former Guardian Tony Pena, but you know they hate him. You can they cheated. It's there, and they probably cheated when the Guardians had maybe their best opportunity to win a World Series and got buzzsawed by Houston the year they won. Right? Wasn't that the year they won? Or was that the year the Astros beat the Yankees? Either way, they got buzzed by the Astros, likely during a season when they, even if it wasn't the year, it was probably still another year where they were doing things they were not supposed to. So 
I'm totally fine with any dislike for them, but it also has to come with the whole thing that this is indeed a very strong baseball team. So let's start it. Uh, catcher for them, Martin Maldonado. They are another team that goes defensive specialist. Uh, Maldonado has been worth negative 0.3 war because uh, he's been so bad. He's got a 36 runs created plus. If we hop over to Cleveland, um, Austin Hedges. Where, why can I not spot him real quick here? Hedges is uh, at a negative. He's actually at a positive war because he's a better defender, and he's actually a better hitter. You <laughs> didn't think we'd say this, right? But this is a case of two teams that value defensive catcher above and beyond anything else. For instance, if the Guardians win Hedges walks in free agency at the end of this year, Maldonado is 30, will turn 36 this year. I would not be shocked at all if the Astros go out of their way to sign Hedges. He is their type of catcher, and he'd be an improvement. Cleveland actually wins the catching position. Moving on to first base, uh, Yuli Gurriel is the first baseman for Houston uh, this year. And over the course of this year so far, he has... I was trying to think. Is he the one that production has been down on? So Yuri Gurriel. Why is it not... got to love when data is not appearing how I want it to appear. So he's at about league average. Um a little bit below that. And then for Cleveland, their everyday first baseman. Do we assume Miller? Do we assume Naylor? I'm more inclined to believe that we'll see Naylor playing there. Uh, so that'd be two point advantage Cleveland. Third base, advantage Cleveland. I, I don't, Bregman's good, don't get me wrong, but the best third baseman in baseball resides in Cleveland. And let's see, Bregman's got a 124 runs created plus right now. Jose Ramirez is at a 181. <laughs> he is still utterly dominant. Three-point advantage, Cleveland. Let's just, let's end it there. Um, so, shortstop. Cleveland's shortstop, the person who's played the most games there in the last week is Ahmed Rosario. Talked about how well Jeremy Pena is playing. That is advantage, Houston. Moving to second base, where in this case we would say it's Jimenez, and over for Houston, their uh, everyday second baseman has been Jose Altuve. So Altuve is rocking a 167 runs created plus. He is having a very strong year. Jimenez has been great, but his runs created plus uh, for a counterpoint is a 148. So strong. He's been worth 1.4 war, as has Altuve. It is an advantage to Houston right now. I'm going to, when they're closest, close, close it, close, wow, I can't say close. When they're near each other in production, I'm going to go with the player who has the better track record. Uh, so that gives them both infield spots, and then we are essentially a one-point advantage for Cleveland going into the outfield. Chase McCormick is who took over for Miles Straw out there. He's at a 106 runs created plus, but he has negative defensive value for a .3 war. On the other side of things, Miles Straw is at a 1.2 war thanks to his defensive value, and he's at a 108 runs created plus. So that is advantage Cleveland. Straw is still better than what they replaced him with. Moving to the corners, Kyle Tucker is uh, played the most games in right field for Houston, and Cleveland's right fielder is, I guess, technically we go with Stephen Kwan right now because he's got uh, three games there as opposed to two. Though it's like three for him and three for Mercado. Uh, I'm realizing, like, when I set it up this way, okay. So I think what we expect going forward might be what happened today. So if you look at what happened today with Owen Miller at second and Jimenez at short, does that shift anything? I don't think 
Like, Jimenez has been great, but Pena has been slightly better. Like a 1.8 versus a, a 1.4. And a one point higher runs created plus. So you'd probably still favor them. And Owen Miller at second base. Uh, he's at a 146, so he's actually a little bit... So it's still advantage um, if you list both of those players. It's a shortstop and second base to Houston. Uh, Cleveland has the two-point lead going into the corners. Uh, Stephen Kwan has you know struggled. Uh, Kyle Tucker's been productive, so that's advantage. And then left field is Michael Brantley, who has continued to be Michael Brantley. And Cleveland, you know, whatever combination you want to put between, like, left field uh if you want to make it rosario it's like still clear advantage houston so it's tied up moving to dh where jordan has been one of the best bats in baseball advantage houston but i think it's surprising like i know the offense is coming on and it's been highly ranked at points but still houston is a top end offense and cleveland has one spot behind uh starting rotations advantage houston fromber's been great verlander is apparently just never going to age uh Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, these guys have been good at points. Oh, one second. Sorry about that. Had to take a parenting break there. Uh, It's 10 o'clock my time. My daughter is going to be exhausted. (laughs) So when you go and you look at performances, uh, you know, Framber's been worth one war. You just look at something like FIP, which again is the best indicator. Verlander, 278. Framber, 312. Odorizzi, 3.41. 4.02 4.02 for Luis Garcia, 3.09 for Christian Javier. That's, you know, fantastic. If we go over and look at the other side of that, Cleveland's FIPS, 297 for McKenzie, 372 for Bieber. Quantrell's at a 348. Let's, now, now we dig. Savale is at a 7, or no, uh, 493 and a 501 for Plesak. Like, advantage in this series when you go pitching matchup by pitching matchup. Monday should be advantage Cleveland. Tuesday is advantage um, Houston. And Wednesday should be advantage Houston or a toss-up. Bullpen-wise, uh, I guess we didn't really talk about injuries. McCullers and Odorizzi are both on the DL. It's hurt their depth, obviously. Jake Myers, who's supposed to battle for that catcher position. DL and Taylor Jones, who I feel like has bounced around as kind of a infield type, is also on the DL. So not all that hurt. Ryan Presley's been good. Rafael Montero's been good. Hector Norris, who they signed, has been solid. Uh, Ryan Stanek, who I like, but another one of those Arkansas pitchers. They each, each team's got an Arkansas pitcher in the uh, bullpen. And, you know, good old friend alert, Phil Maton, also uh, in that pen. It's a good pen. I feel like pens are a bit of a push because Cleveland has an excellent pen as well. I'm still going to ride or die with the fact that I believe Cleveland's pen, bullpen is very good. Uh Maybe you don't agree with that, and I can get that to a degree, but it has been a very strong pen for the most part. It's an advantage to Houston. Yes, they had a one-point advantage. The pitching matchups are advantage Cleveland, advantage Houston, and close to a push. Bullpens are even. (laughs) But at the same time, one of these teams has won 27 games, and the other team has won uh, not 27 games. What did I say earlier? They're at 17, like a 10-game difference. Um, you know, Houston's better able to put everything together. And when there are gaps, it's just because Cleveland has a truly elite player for the most part. Like, catcher, okay. And we talked about the issue. Josh Naylor 
at first base because of what he has done. Jose Ramirez, it's like, okay, so they don't have Jose Ramirez, but they have the next best thing. Houston, I mean, Yuli Gurriel is one of their weakest players on offense, and he's almost league average. That, that's where this team is. Cleveland, when they lose like both those outfield spots, it's by a large margin, and that's why Houston is just they're not a team with a lot of holes, not a team with a lot of injuries right now. Uh, they're also not a lot of team with prospect depth. So I'll be curious to see what happens because I don't know. They don't have the ability to really go out and trade for more. They don't have the ability to go out and add more. I will be very curious to see if they run into any injury issues, if they run into any depth issues, how they are as a team that will continue to get better because it's not a easy path when you don't have the pieces. We went a bit long, and we've had <laughs> cats and children and all sorts of things interrupting the show. But uh, I want to thank everyone for listening again. Uh, the YouTube numbers have been fantastic. We're at a little over 200 subscribers. Obviously, the goal is 1,000, so we can modernize over there. Mont- yeah. You know you know what I mean. But uh, every show is getting 100 watches, so I appreciate that. Uh, a lot of people on the network cannot say that. So thank you to everyone who subscribed on YouTube, to everyone who listens to the podcast, downloads daily, does your part. Uh, and as I end every episode, go, go, Guardians, go.